The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. John E. Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money, managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you create better financial habits, envision your long-term goals, and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of John E. Sistina and Company are on deck to show you the way. Thank you for joining the Managing to Be Wealthy podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Bennett, the Onboarding Public Relations Manager for John E. Sistina and Company. Joining me today are Certified Financial Planner, Tyler Cook, and our founder, John E. Sistina. How are you guys doing today? Good to be Wonderful. back. It's good to see you, John. <laughs> glad to be seen. Yeah, we're glad you're here. Part of the conversation. How you've been, Tyler? Good. Yeah. Just, yeah. Life keeps you busy. Yeah. It's great. Nice to see you guys in the office today. That's uh, a little children you have. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. A three-year-old and a, well, now 14-year-old. So, you Fun. know, it's, yeah, go, go, go. I have a 46-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> It's always fun. Just when you think you get through one one obstacle, another one presents itself. Right. That never is. I told my mom once, I said, why didn't you tell me that this hurts all the time? <laughs> it hurts when you're happy. It hurts when you're sad. It hurts when you're angry. It's tough. It's a tough job. That's life. That's life. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. All right. Transitioning here. Today's discussion is your go-to source for everything credit related. So let's get into it. We're going to talk good credit, bad credit. Somebody asked me earlier if there is good credit. Is there, is the, you know, before we start the discussion, is there really good credit? And yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's talk about the importance of credit, credit, woo, credit scores. Um, why do they matter? You know, why should we care about the credit score in our day to day lives? Well, I think people don't realize all that the credit score affects. They think it's just about loans, but it's also about your insurance rates and uh, you can get a home mortgage and whatever else you're going to do that credit rate can affect you. Yeah, I think it's important, too, to kind of go back in time and acknowledge how long this has actually been a thing. So it, it became really popular in the 60s when computers started doing things with national databases and tracking people's credit. But mm-hmm. it actually goes back to the 1800s. I wasn't the light then, oh, sure? Tyler. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, it, it's been a long time. So it's and then really in the, in the late 80s, early 90s is when the whole FICO score, the track credit and so forth, came up and is what was relevant today. There's still other metrics that are out there, but... Yeah, there's there's definitely ways to track that. And to John's point, it impacts everything, even down to your car insurance and those other areas of your life. So there's a lot. Maybe a maybe sort of a fundamental question, but how does having a good credit score impact the ability to get a loan? Makes it easier, for sure. Certainly. Certainly makes it easier. Let's tell people how that works. Well, the whole loan process is kind of an issue with how they do that anyway. Yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> annoying is one way to say it too. And uh, we work with a lot of business owners too. And I think these credit bureaus don't really understand how businesses run. Oh no. And certainly from a tax perspective, they don't. So uh, a lot of times they're the underwriting process is looking at your credit scores, one of those things, but then also tax returned income statements, balance sheets, and all those things. So the credit score is one role in the underwriting process. Uh, and it's kind of like, I think a starting point. And then they actually dig into the the details of the financial piece. But um, you know, it's, it's funny to me how credit scores can change so quickly there's a lot of misconceptions on what's good and bad in terms of your credit. So we'll get into that. And there's three different credit reports, excuse me, credit bureaus. 
And some of them don't house the same information as the others, which I've never understood why that is the case. It's either a, a running history or it's not, right? What uh, dictates where it goes? Well, the the institution that's uh, applying you're applying for the loan with, they will su- supply this information to the credit bureau yet they use. And so you may have one that shows you paid off a loan, but the other two don't because that information has not arrived yet. So there are, it's confusing as it normally is in financial things that there are three bureaus and you may have to check them all. And you can, you can personally check all three of them. Should do that about once a year. Absolutely. And that's free once a year, isn't it? You get copy. Um, I have a system where I, I use all three and I get one every quarter from each one. So I get a rolling, I use the free credit report all year long from all the different resources. That's great. You're being your own advocate. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. Well, when you experience international fraud three times, <laughs> <laughs> it makes you very proactive. <laughs> you become a pit bull. So yeah. Um, how does having a good credit? Okay. Well, I'm sorry. That's a repeat question. What are the consequences of having a bad, bad credit score? Uh, yeah, it can be detrimental to somebody's goals and ambitions if you're not able to uh, use debt the right way. Right. And it may even impact you if you're looking for a new job. When your employer looks up your credit, they may be upset by what they find. So it could be even that far. So it can affect the prices of everything you buy. You know, if you're a good credit risk like Tyler here, then you're going to be getting the lowest rates when you go to finance something. But if you have a bad credit rating, you're going to drop down and pay more interest. It's also part of your overall image, I guess we could say, right? Yeah, well, that's what they're trying to assess is behaviors, financial behaviors. You know, did you make the payments on time? Mm-hmm. What's your what's your history? And that's a huge factor in this war. Discipline, reliability, right? Yep. So building and maintaining good credit. Let's talk about some practical tips and habits for doing this. Some people balk when I say this, but when you're 18, get a credit card. Start building the credit, but you have to be responsible. Slippery slope. So yeah, an it's 18 very year old. Yep, rocking on college campus and Woo. sign up for this card for a free T-shirt and frisbee and whatever else. But if you do it correctly, uh, then you can be disciplined with it. I'll, I'll never forget when I was at Ohio State, my roommate, uh, sophomore year, uh, yeah, sophomore year, he worked at uh, one of the local banks, and he said, "Hey, you need to open a card." And I was like, "I was interning here at the time, John." And I was like, "Uh." Really? Been here that long? It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and thankfully I did. And that's the longest credit uh, history I have on my report. Still have it. Still have that card open. And uh, it's, it's good. You know, it's working in my favor in terms of history. So just buying gas on it, on mm-hmm. a card like that, just to get it going. If kids are in high school and they're 18, just again, as long as they're disciplined with it, the earlier you start that credit history, the better you're going to be in the future when it's bigger purchases, a house, a car, whatever exactly. else might, might come up. It's pretty confusing when you're a young person, go to that college first day and you're wandering around trying to decide where you are and what you're going to be. And there are 12,622 credit stands, various people, Visa, American Express, et cetera. All of them want you to get a credit card. So you have to have some preparation. Hopefully you've talked to your parents and they've been astute and they share with you what you, how many credit cards you should have. I believe you only need two credit cards. One is uh, an everyday one, like you said, a visa or something like that. And the other one is, uh, I'll call a travel card, like an American Express card. And so there are different purposes. They do different things. And so you want to build a credit on both of them. 
It's a good suggestion. So rewards cards, is that fall under that category? Yeah, rewards cards are pretty good. I've done a lot of airline travel on my right. on my American Express bill because uh, I use a little. Yeah, well, we get that question all the time, too. What credit card is right for us and mm-hmm. so forth? And uh, there are a lot of great tools nowadays that help you analyze that. But to your point, you have to analyze what benefits are there, rewards with that credit card, and uh, craft you know your choice accordingly. Let's say you make a faux pas of some kind and you get a little ding against your credit score because you've you've uh, made an irresponsible decision. Um, how far does it go? You know, how do you improve your how do you recover and improve your standing once you've done that once or Good. twice? Yeah, it, I mean, it's it'll show up as a big red X on the report. Uh, and I'm pretty anal attentive about that stuff. So I'm going to check and make sure I have little green checks every <laughs> month. But uh, if that shows up, it's going to show up as a ding, of course, but it's not something you can't overcome. You should get back on the horse, right? You got to get back into it, paying it down quickly. You could also try if there was a legitimate reason for it. There could be a dispute process to explain what happened. Mm-hmm. I think we probably saw a lot of that during COVID. There's right. A lot of those oh, types yes. of things. Uh, also, health health issues. If you're in the hospital, incapacitated, mm-hmm. might not pay your bill on time if it's not set up on auto pay. So there are reasons, legitimate reasons that if you do have a faux pas, uh, perhaps accidentally, that you can get that red X taken off. Yeah. How do you guys feel about the credit repair services? John. I haven't had much experience with that. Uh, nor have I, and I'm I'm not. Uh, their advertising dissuades me because <laughs> it yeah. sounds a little. Uh, it's too much what they're what they're promising. I think so. So if I'm it seems too good to be true, it's probably too good to it be true. Probably is. What elements carry the most weight in in kind of determining your credit score? That's that's something I actually have no idea. Yeah. So your obviously your balances, mm-hmm. uh, your payment history, the length of Credit. So going back to my example of having a card open at age 18, how you know, now almost 40. So 22 years of a card being open helps again your score. But um, same thing too, just the overall utilization ratio. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other calculation. So basically how much credit is available versus how much are you using. And so that ratio is, is important in your overall score. And some people will say, hey, you know what? I want to get out of debt. I want to pay off my credit cards and I'm going to close the card. And we jump up and say, no, don't do that because you're actually going to impact your utilization ratio. And it's actually better to leave the card open, put it in a drawer or safe at home. Don't use it rather than closing it. Doesn't the company take that? Don't doesn't the company eventually close it once it's been active after a certain time? So that actually happened to me, too. Uh, (laughs) A card, card, one of those things I didn't need anymore. I put it in a drawer uh, and then I got a letter. Your card's been canceled. And I I was very, very upset because I know what that does to your score. And they didn't give me any notice at all in advance and just did it. And there's nothing I could have done. So, again, you can bounce back from that. But it wasn't a negative uh, mark on my credit, but it certainly hurt in terms of the overall uh, impact of the score. Yeah, he mentioned the utilization score. That's an important number to know. If you have three credit cards and you have a credit limit of $10,000 on each, and if you're current, that's all wonderful. You have 30000 of credit. But if uh, you don't use one of them, or you you get rid of one of them, then you only have a $20,000 limit. So that utilization score can mess you up if you're not careful. Wow, I did not know that. That's interesting. I've had that happen to me before. I thought it was okay. I was like, well, you know. You overcame I'm, it, though. I'm ahead yes. of the game, yeah. If you have a choice. You score. didn't ask me, Tracy. <laughs> John, I'm telling you, I wish I had known then what I've learned by working for this company. I would be a, a very different person handling things very differently. I've I've hit the wall many times <laughs> and thought, oh, yeah, every time you guys talk about something, I, yeah, 
I've done that. <laughs> yep. So uh, we talk about credit reports. How often should people really diligently check their credit report? I think you're the example there. Right. Yeah. Live and learn. Example. Yeah. I've got a flat face from that wall. <laughs> <laughs> so one, is it, was it once a quarter though? You're checking yeah. it. Yeah. I yeah. Think that's, 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 yeah. that's like top of your class, right? right. I mean, once a year is even great, but quarterly that's, you're very good. It. Yeah. Experian, TransUnion, Equifax, mm-hmm. you know, every, every three months. And there are services now, like if you have a wow. anti, uh, well, I guess it's antivirus and identity theft now with like Norton, LifeLock, things mm-hmm. like that. They do have the service where they'll, you know, call the bureau or basically run your credit report for you mm-hmm. and let you know what's available. So you can automate some of that too, or you can do what you're doing and just, just call. Which is probably a good idea if you're using your computer for everything. If you're going on Amazon and you're using your credit card. Probably a good idea, right? Right. Yeah. Credit protection. So besides credit cards, are there other ways to build credit? Sure. Through bank loans. So if you don't have uh, the ability to get a credit card when you start, you may take a bank loan. I've, I heard a, a program or an idea that someone taught me many years ago. He said, when you go out, get a loan, save $1,000, even though you don't need it, and then repay the loan. So as you're repaying the loan, you're building your credit. And you have the money because you have the thousand dollars. So you don't spend that thousand dollars. You use it to repay the loan over a reasonable period of time. That's genius. Thank you. That's a great idea. (laughs) Now, here's something I've heard conflicting conversations about. Um, When you have a small balance every month, if you keep a purposefully keep a small balance every month, does that build your credit score or is that a is that a red mark against you? You mean versus paying it off? Correct. Yeah, no, it's not not a good thing. Not a good thing. No. So always, always, always pay it off yeah. every month. Now you'll still get credit for making your payment as long as you make the minimum payment. That'll still show up as that green check mark on the report, but uh, you're not doing yourself any favors by not paying it off. How do you monitor your credit and protect yourself from identity theft without being overly paranoid? I mean, I'm <laughs> I one of those really paranoid people. Yeah. Well, we should ask you. <laughs> life, I mean, I've, I think I've got LifeLock. I've got credit monitoring through Anthem, yeah. through Experian. Yeah. yeah. Credit Karma. Any, If you can get it, it's free. Get it, right? Yep. Well, the problem today is everything is is uh, hackable. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost no protection uh, if you have anything, even if it's in your pocket, your wallet, they can go by with these scanner things. Yeah. Scan what's in there, so there's no safe place. So you just have to be aware and check it. I think credit karma is the one that I've come to really enjoy personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I guess, it's a free service. They make their money through advertising. So just you don't click on every advertisement you see. But looking that in combination with LifeLock has been a great way to to just check things and keep my finger on the pulse. Both, both in tandem, along with checking your actual statements, mm-hmm. looking at transactions, making sure you recognize. Yeah, the the uh, the vendor or whoever's there, mm-hmm. but it's 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 a real thing. I got a notification last week with my two kids. Their their social security numbers out on the dark web. You know, that's one of those things. And that was a notification from LifeLock that told me that. But it was part of another hack, which 2023 we had one of the biggest hacks ever, which through that Move It attack, mm-hmm. which was a software that was used in the background to move information, whether it was healthcare providers or I mean, lots of businesses were impacted by that, mm-hmm. and they still don't even know the full extent of it. So. It's out there. And then I have one note on that too. If you do have kids, there are programs. LifeLock has one called LifeLock Junior, and you can enroll your kids in there and to track it. And that's how I was alerted. Mm-hmm. So now wow. I'm on high alert, just even with my three and 14 year old. So what if somebody goes through a major life event and let's say like a divorce or job loss, 
you know, how do you, are there, other than what we just talked about, I mean, I mean, I've got, I literally have a fraud alert on all of my accounts. I have a fraud alert on my social security number. I have two-step authentication. I have notifications <laughs> coming from my accounts to my cell phone. Yeah, I, my Bobby. Oh man, I have this list of stuff that um, I have a password phrase at my bank. Yeah. Uh, I went into a, went into a store in Myrtle Beach one time and a little cl- a boutique and it was the last day of our vacation. I literally walked out of the boutique and I got a call from Chase that somebody had tried to wire $150. Was it me? And they texted me and called me. <laughs> I was like, what's the password phrase? <laughs> I'm not talking to you until you give me the password phrase. Yeah, I, so yeah. So do your do your homework and and uh, look into every aspect of protecting yourself because nothing, it's a false sense of security to think that just because you have a strong password that it's or even a life lock or whatever else that yeah. Bobby, my Bobby's what she does every month is takes our American Express bill, which is a bit of a burden. <laughs> and she goes line by line. And she finds things all the time that we can fix or call or whatever, the, you know, wrong. Somebody charged their card for something we didn't buy. And you find those things that would, didn't hit the, uh, uh, the credit at all. It went through. Yeah. And so we could clean that up. There's a, there's a million. You got to pay attention to your credit. Well, and the thing is, too, if if you go into, uh, say, Kroger or a grocery store, and you buy your groceries and someone skims your card and you're yeah. looking at your bank statement, you just assume that's your charge. You have to, yeah. to cross-reference your receipts against the statement, which can be inundating if you use yeah. your credit card for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have a system for that? You sit down once a week and do that? How do you handle it as uh, you, as you just, do every day? or Not daily, but it's more than once a week. Mm-hmm. That I'll, and I, I'm just sitting on my phone, right? Just looking at the phone, going through the app and scrolling at transactions. So you do you keep your receipts? Uh, well, it depends. A lot of the receipts, too, I can get emailed now. Mm-hmm. So if I do have a question, I can reference the emailed version. But I'm not keeping piles of boxes of yeah. receipts for personal purposes. So if you get the notifications, if you go into your credit card company, at least I have this through Cap One, you can have notifications sent on every purchase and every wire transfer. And so <laughs> drive Jay crazy because he'll go to Tim Hortons and spend you know, money on coffee and I'll text him and going, why are you getting coffee at Tim Hortons when you have coffee at home? There's other, other benefits to it. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, one of the best things, if you really want to lock down your credit, be safe, just you need to do a credit freeze. Yeah. And so that that's putting a freeze on your, your credit all entirely it cannot be pulled without unless you release it. Mm-hmm. That can be an issue, though, if you're trying to go buy a new car or do things. So some people forget about that and then it's a process to undo it. It's not an easy process to freeze it. It takes a couple of weeks to yeah, unfreeze it's, it's it. It's still kind of old school mailing stuff in. Mm-hmm. Same thing with my kids. I looked into that too with based on the recent incident, uh, but you still have to kind of mail all the paper in and do it the old school way. So hopefully we'll change that. Wow. Um, get, get with the times, I guess. But yeah, there's, there's multiple ways to do it. But to your point, Tracy, being your own advocate is the best thing you can do. And most credit cards, I think like American Express, for example, I get every transaction that's done on my card. I get a notification, shows up on my, on my account, also through uh, Apple Pay. I like that because it does the same thing, tracking everything. So I'm looking, find it right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Let's talk about co-signers and joint accounts. How does no. that impact your credit? If your <laughs> if your child comes to you and wants you to co-sign for a car loan or something like that, does that impact your credit poorly? It can. It can. I mean, we obviously know if the payments aren't made, it it hits your credit, obviously. But let's yeah, I'd like to talk about the the co-signer or the joint account. I think too the baby boom generation and where they're at and helping with aging parents and so forth. 
I hear more and more frequently about people saying, oh, I was added to my to the checking account or I was added to my mom's checking account. And I, we talk about that. That might not be the best idea. Uh, and one one of those issues, the reason why is if you're on a, an account with joint ownership with a parent, if you're sued for whatever reason, then all of a sudden your parents' money could be subject to that lawsuit to creditors through that. Same thing, vice versa. If the parents sued, now the child's money is kind of brought into that mix. So you really want to make sure if it is truly with signing authority on the card that you're listed as, a, as, a, as an authorized signer. But co-signing is totally different on the debt side. That's basically saying, all right, if my kid or whoever you're helping can't make the payment, then it's on you and it's going to show up on your credit report, which as soon as you sign up as a co-signer, it does show up as a an open loan on your report. Okay. So you want to make sure that that's being paid on time. So it doesn't, does it show up on theirs too? Yes. Okay. Yes. So they can build their credit as long as everybody's playing nice, right? They can build their credit and you can, yep. you can keep it in good standing. Yeah. You see that quite, quite a bit too, with somebody's like first apartment mm-hmm. after college or things like that. That's where we see it pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to avoid the vehicles, things like that. If you can. More, we do it when we were kids. <laughs> Worked and saved. We were my first apartment. I had no cosigner. I had to pay for it. Right. Of course, it was an outrageous eighty dollars a month. Right. <laughs> That's how they get you. What about credit repair techniques? You know, what are some realistic expectations for improving a credit score? Does it take a while? I, I think it goes back to what we said. You, you, it's discipline. So if if you got into the situation you did by overspending or not being able to pay off your card and missing payments, and it was all. Uh, just behavioral things, not a, an illness or you know, one-off things like that. You've really got to reset the, the mindset of what you're paying for and where you're spending your money. Mm-hmm. And so I would even go back to, if you're truly trying to repay your credit, not using a service, but changing behaviors, something you've talked about for years, which is that envelope method. Right. And and pay cash for everything. Does that really work for people? Yes. It takes a lot of discipline though, doesn't it? I don't know. I did it for many, many years when I first started out. Did you? Because I would take whatever little bit of money I had, break it out into little envelopes. And at um, and a month end, I would go in there and pull out my $10 and pay my electric bill or whatever it was. And I always had more money. What was interesting about the system was I always ended up with more money. And it's that, that, that's a function of reality. I don't know why that why why that happens to you, but it seems that you don't burn through it as much. Well, yeah, I think that's the behavior part, handing over those dollar bills, right? I love that when you when you hand a money, get sell somebody, spend dollars, point put it out, put the hundred dollar bill there, mm-hmm. that little gizmo you want to buy, and maybe now and feel another one begin to sweat, you know, <laughs> right? Out and sweat. It's a convenience thing, though. You've got to go to the bank. You've got to deposit the money or take the money out. So it's a, it's it's creating a system for yourself and the discipline to put a process together that's gonna that you're gonna stick to so that right. you can so that you can do the envelope system, right? That would be yeah. the hard part. Yeah, but in, in the spirit of repairing your credit, so that's that's one thing too. But if there are legitimate issues, why a payment was missed again? The disputes, challenging things, writing letters to the bureaus, making sure that it's all tracked correctly because they do make mistakes. Mm-hmm. There can legitimately be times where they've tracked the payment incorrectly or they didn't yep. track it for that account for that yeah, month. That. So and, you need to stay on top of it. And there are credit attorneys too. Is that ever a good is that ever a good step to take? I've I've never known anybody to do that, but I know they exist. And we're not attorneys, obviously. If it's but, a big enough deal, yeah, then you're probably going to need a, an attorney to help you out. Great. This has been this has been enlightening. So the takeaway here is to remember that creating good credit is a journey, right? Not a destination. 
And whether you're building from scratch or repairing past mistakes, every positive financial decision is, it counts. Uh, so stay informed, stay vigilant, and seek the help of a professional. We're here to help you if you'd like to schedule a complimentary consultation. This is what we do every day. Um, we see it all, and and we we love helping people. So give us a call. We hope you'll stay tuned and uh, listen to more topics for financial literacy. Uh, thank you for joining us. We are managing to be wealthy. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Managing to Be Wealthy podcast. We help you make the most of your money without any hidden fees or commissions. Remember, the best investment you can make is in yourself and your financial future. Keep listening for more expert advice and tips. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. To schedule a one-hour complimentary consultation to discuss your financial concerns, visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com.